round number, okay? So we decided to have a badass guest. <laughs> the best guest that you can get. Now this guy, he's a stand-up comic. He's fucking hilarious, and I can account for that because I went and watched all the shit on his YouTube, <laughs> and I did that all this last week. Um, he's been on tour with people such as Brian Callen. That's amazing. One of the best comedians of this time, at least. Love that guy so much. Yeah, dude. Both of us do. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Plus, master's degree in psychology. Yeah? Yes, sir. Insane. And then division one athlete in college, which is crazy. This is Leo Flowers, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never been called a badass before. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love it. Well, I don't understand why not, man. You played if you played college football, you got to be at least kind of a badass, right? <laughs> I can't play college well, you know, football. I, 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 I'm, I'm also kind of a nerd, you know. Obviously, you know, having a master's, I, I was, uh, I was that that guy walking around with books and and you know reading uh, Moby Dick and and Crime and Punishment, you know, things oh, like shit. that. So. Uh, yeah, sport, sports were definitely uh, something definitely that I love and still love. Uh, but also, you know, I also love to read and, uh, you know, pl play some chess. Now everybody's watching Queen's Gambit. So I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't even checked that out yet. You haven't seen it? It's, no. It's, it's really good. It's really good. I've heard a lot uh, about it. And so, so now, now we're playing chess and, uh, and, and now that's the thing keeping me up at night. Yeah. Yeah, I did it for what? What? Uh, what college did you go to? Ball State in Muncie, Indiana. Muncie, Indiana. Yeah, David Letterman's alma mater. Actually, he has a scholarship oh, set up for people who have just a C average. If you have an oh, A or what? B, you can't get this money. You got to have a C because that's what he graduated with, and and his belief and the research actually supports this that the world is run by C students. A, A students actually end up working for C students because A students have poor social skills. They don't know how to play well with others. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I would say I, I'd have a chance, but I was a straight F student, so you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so you're working for everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, like, I work, so there's our main boss who owns the company, then the general manager, then me, then he works under me. Yeah. So there's <laughs> there's a there's yeah, a, yeah. a quite a hierarchy above him. <laughs> like I did uh I did private school and stuff like that through high school. Like uh I went up to seventh grade in actual uh school, like public school. Then I was traveling around the country, so I was doing all my school online in a, a school called Laurel Springs out of Ojai, California. So through that I had like perfect grades. Then my dad had a great idea and he was like, let's send him to public school in Arizona. <laughs> and that's when everything went into the toilet. And then I got booted out of school. Like there was a whole losing, uh, losing like credits and stuff when it transferred over through schools. I got booted out of there with a 1.2 grade point average. And then I got expelled for wearing a shirt that didn't have nice things on it, I guess. They weren't uh, appreciative of it, but... <laughs> it's the title of the podcast, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. The, t the title comes directly from no matter how good we're doing, we're still fucking up. No matter what happens, yeah. there's still some fucking up. So was that... Because I, I, when I was watching your, your, uh, your comedy bits, 
you had that the the joke about the winning by a point and that was the one you talk about having a 2.0 right that was all true yeah. stuff nice all very true i graduated with a 2.0 gpa uh from high school and it actually it, it kind of bit me in the butt because i was recruited by northwestern university which i actually grew up like maybe two miles from and i would have loved to have gone to northwestern's ivy league is one of the top tier oh, schools yeah. uh they had a losing record uh that was the only knock in terms of football they <laughs> sucked at football at the time um but uh, but because of my grades, they you know they couldn't even consider me uh, to play there. So that that oh, you gotta be pretty perfect. came back. Yeah, but once I found out that 2.0 is all I need to get a football scholarship, I was like, then that's all I'm gonna do. Hell yeah! <laughs> What's uh, what position did you play? I played defensive tackle. So I used to weigh oh. 275 pounds. See, that's badass Very territory. Big guy. Yeah. I was I was massive. I was strong. I was benching like four ten, leg pressing Jesus. a thousand, and but all that comes back to bite you. You know, it, it goes back to you know what you were saying of no matter what we're doing, we're, we're just screwing things up. And it's true because because I'm, I'm, I'm I leg pressed a thousand and I'm benching like my shoulders are all screwed up. My oh, I yeah, tore my meniscus. Like like there like you 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 pay for those things at, when you get when you hit your forties. So. Uh, yeah, but at the I'm time, already starting to pay for them, and I'm only 33, and oh, yeah. now I'm working as a roofer, so my back constantly hurts, my knees are blowing out, I got like chondromalacia, so like the the cartilage and all that under my kneecaps gets inflamed out of nowhere just randomly, so it's super fun. But there was a there was another uh, one of your one of your uh, one of your stand-up bits that was good the that I related to a lot is you were talking about your girlfriend that you were 35 and she was 21. Yeah. That True bit story. like, story. cause my, <laughs> my wife, I'm 33. My wife's 24. I mean, it's not as big, but it's still, it's still super close. And there is those little things that like make you realize like, Oh shit, that's weird. Like she would say that SpongeBob was a show when she was a baby. And I was like, I was in middle school when SpongeBob came out. Like that was the yeah, the, the yeah. weird shit. I was like, "There's nothing you can relate between these two people as far as like culturally goes." Because being like a '90s kid, I was like Rocco's Modern Life and uh, like old Simpson stuff, shit like that. Or Wayne's World was a huge movie. Hey guys, not to cut you off, but you got some yeah, like banging going on back there. Oh yeah, I'm gonna like shut that because like that's clanking. I just want to. I want to look out. I'm all about the sound, you know. I don't. I don't oh yeah, know yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you got uh, some ghosts out there, or what's happening? Yeah, we got some ghosts rumbling and tumbling in here, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's that, it's that time of year. The ghosts, uh, Christmas, past and future and present. Yeah. Hopefully that's better. Oh uh, yeah. My wife knew exactly what was going on, and she was like. I'm going to throw a load in the dryer that has a bowling ball in it. <laughs> For the first time, I think we're going to wash this bowling ball. I feel good about this. <laughs> oh, my girlfriend does the same thing. Like, she'll, she'll wait till I start podcasting to, to run the dishwasher with oh, yeah, all the things in there. Yeah, yeah, just throw some marbles in there. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, kid, like, my kid throws rocks in there. She's like, I don't want to bend down and pick that shit up. I just want to, you know, just do the load. Who cares about the rocks? 
I like the 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 look it gives the jeans. It's nice. Um, well, shout out to you, man. You're you're still married during this whole pandemic quarantine, and and you have a kid who's still alive. I mean, yeah. A, a pat on the back for you, man. You're, you're, Thank you. You're, Appreciate you're that. It's uh, I can't lie. It's been super tough for sure. Like uh, like I've stayed steadily at work. Like I I got coronavirus actually the end of October through the beginning of November. I had coronavirus, and it was really only bad for a couple of days. But the fatigue really lasted a long time, like probably 10 or 12 days the fatigue was going on. So I was home for, I was home for basically like four days straight. But otherwise, I've been at work consistently still because we work on a roof. Like we don't really get face-to-face -face with many people. Like we go collect the check, but we don't really have to get too close to anybody. Dude, the, the whole craziest part about all that is like this dude, um, he, he – he had it like while we were working or something like we were working in the same truck every day because we go on rides together to every job and uh, he had gotten tested and it was like friday and the doctors called him back and he's like yeah you're positive and i was in the truck with him every day and i go get tested myself and they're like yeah you're good you have nothing i was like oh yeah oh, my sick. wife and my, my oh, wife you know why and... because of your nose hairs man i'm telling you i saw that I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm telling you the nose hairs caught the COVID, and then it was like, "Not today, COVID! Not today!" I got, I got all this extra nose hair yeah, shit. Yeah. This, we, we, the facial hair it got caught in your mustache and the beard. And I kept <laughs> breathing it in over days. Yeah, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, well, see, you man. got a nose ring, so that that, that yeah. the bacteria can hang out a little longer there. That's probably what happened. That nose ring. That thing does cause so many problems because, like, working on a roof, you run into bird shit a lot, <laughs> and I'll just like go to fix it. And then staph infection immediately. Ah, yeah. that's how you I got get... the COVID, son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I straight pushed COVID into my brain through my nasal yeah, passage. Did. Yeah, it was yeah, insane. Yeah, well, it's I'm, almost I'm like glad to know that the nose hair is saved. Say it again. I said, I'm sorry, bro. I said, I'm glad to know that this nose hair saved me. Then. Yeah, yeah. The nose <laughs> yeah. hair saved you, bro. So, so don't don't go waxing your nose hairs. It's, it's there <laughs> to protect you. Fuck that. I'll, I will cry. I can't even, like, getting a pimple in your nose is probably the worst thing oh, yeah. to ever get as far as, like, that type of shit. I had one in the, like, basically at the bottom of my septum where my lip connects, and my shit swole up so big. Like, it looked like that, remember when that, that Kardashian challenge was going on where those girls put those sucker things oh, on their lips? Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what my lip looked like. Like, girls were like, where did you get that shit done? Because it looks amazing. And I was like, this wow, is the most painful shit so, I have ever seen in my so life. Funny. Dude, it, it had to be painful. Horrible. You called it a septum. As soon as you start, getting, you start using medical jargon, you know it's serious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had a very painful septum that day. Actually, it was yeah, like yeah. three days till I finally got antibiotics, and then it kind of, it kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, so... About comedy, like, I'm, I've been a huge comedy nerd since as long as I can remember. Like, I honestly, one time, I remember the first time I saw a comedian. I can't remember who it was, but my dad was watching stand-up comedy. And it was this big, it was this fat guy. And he had, like, a kind of like a track suit on. And I remember all the people in the crowd, like, laughing and listening to this guy. And I was, my, in my head, I was like, oh, that's who God is. Because I was, like, I remember that was, like, my, one of my first memories. 
then growing up, obviously seeing people like uh, like George Carlin and and then and Richard Pryor and Robin Williams and all these people, and then you know the newer ones with Louis C.K. and Bill Burr and all those guys, always been like in love with watching stand-up comedy. Who were who were the like the biggest influences on you, and like why did you want to get into doing it coming out of what you were doing? Well, my biggest influence was Peggy. Peggy is uh, a friend of my mom's who anytime Peggy called the house, my mom would be dying laughing from beginning to end. They'd be on the phone for hours. And my mom would just be like, Peggy, no, no, Peggy, Peggy, stop it. Stop it, Peggy, no, no. Just for hours. And I was like, who is Peggy and what is she saying? I was so, because my mom, you know, my mom worked. 80 hours a week, you know, uh, to raise me oh, and my shit. younger sister. I have a, a sister who's four years younger. I'm, I'm exaggerating with the 80 hours. But she worked two jobs. She sent us yeah, to yeah. A, a Catholic school. Not We're not Catholic. I was the only black kid in the school. But she sent us there because they gave homework. My mom was like, public schools don't give you enough homework. I'm going to send you to a private oh, wow. school. But because of that, she had to work and pick up extra shifts. And oh, so... I, I just remember like every day she'd come home and just have this stoic look on her face. And I couldn't tell if she was pissed or okay or what was going on. But anytime Peggy called, I knew it was going to be a good time. And I also knew it was the best time to ask my mom for anything that I wanted. Oh, yeah, <laughs> she was in yeah. such a good mood. I'd be like, mom, let me get the keys to the car. I'd be like 10 and she would just toss, you know, it was just a <laughs> time a to ask. <laughs> for, yeah. For anything I could eat, what I wanted is basically like I had the house to myself. Peggy and was like, I want to be, I want to be, I want to make people laugh. If if somebody can make my mom laugh, who is working, you know, two jobs raising two kids by herself, that that's a skill. That that's something that's worth noting. Oh, for sure. That's yeah, a yeah. that's a that's a gift. And there's there's always those people that are just sprinkled around the country that you run into, and you're just like how are you not like the biggest comedian in the world? Cause it's just people like, like Joey Diaz is one of those guys that Joey Diaz could just talk and tell a story. And you're just like, this is insane. Like this is all of this is gold just because of the way he, the way he says it and the passion and the voice yeah, and the like, way he presents it. himself and all that. Like, yeah. it's yeah. so funny. Yeah. It's great stuff. Yeah. But I like, mean, like if he hadn't did all those years of drugs, his voice, Oh yeah. His, his voice is probably like, hey, guys, how's it going? And he starts yeah, doing yeah. a crack and a heroin. And, and now, oh, yeah. now it's become a tool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Cocaine and kidnapping will change, especially <laughs> spending, <laughs> spending years in prison. It'll, it'll grizzle your voice a bit. Put a, vocal, put right. a little vocal fry That's on right. you. Like, Was he there... has those deep grooves in his forehead. You know, oh, he, he does. has stories in those lines. Like, I have perfectly, uh, you know, complected skin. I yeah, clearly haven't been through enough. Like there's <laughs> yeah. nothing but water, water and like unicorn tears in his body. That's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just been good times and lotion. Yeah, it's always been right. amazing. I'm sure yeah. we're going to probably end up with some pretty craggly looking faces. Cause we both, we were both on hard drugs, heroin, meth. Uh, earlier on, I was doing a lot of cocaine and stuff like that. And it was about a decade of between like pills like Vicodin's Percocets, all those types of things, and then into actual like black tar heroin and going through all that stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. It took us a long time to to finally get away away from it, and then we finally got out of it. And then you know the relapsing it always it always happens. And there was like always a like for me I could always see a catalyst for what causes the 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 relapse to happen. And last time it was my grandmother was dying, and she it just it happened so quick that she went from being like a vibrant. 86 year old woman to a person laying in a hospital bed in her home on hospice within like a matter of a couple weeks and it's like the whole thing of not being able to process or deal with emotions and like i i can't control when i'm going to start crying and having a breakdown over this stuff so it's like i have to do something to just completely numb everything out and it's obviously the worst possible way to deal with it because that that always led to this like constant suicidal ideation that I'm just hoping that I'm going to do enough that I'm going to fall asleep and then I'm not going to wake up. And then it's basically living in a perpetual state of, of suicide yeah. for it, years. It took, me, it took me up to 12 years to finally get clean and sober. And um, now I have a little bit over a year and like all these emotions are starting to come back. The ones that I didn't have before because I was numbing myself. And now they're coming back and they just like hit me so hard and like Yeah, and it's weird. But I do this, I'm like, I'm fine, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <that's>, okay. <laughs> that's what everybody else says. They just they smile and then well, tears roll down their face. Well, crazy. you know what because I also life coach now and one of the things that I'm always drilling into my, my clients, uh, drilling sounds aggressive, encouraging <laughs> my clients to say me too. is um, is I'm doing my best. When somebody asks you how you're doing you are always at all times doing your best. Even if that, even if you're doing black tar heroin, at that moment you're doing your best, right? <laughs> like, like I'm alive. Like, <laughs> yeah, the best I can right. Do. Like, like the fact that, that you're choosing to do something, right? Some some things came up for you. Um, I love that you use the word catalyst. You know, you could have said triggered or uh, yeah. activated, but catalyst is such a great word. But but at every moment, you know. You're doing your best to to be here, man. Even if that means you're you're binge watching Ozark or you know uh, gambling on your cell phone. It's like I'm just I'm just trying to if I could just get through this day and get through these feelings. I don't know how Absolutely. else to do it. I wasn't raised to learn how to cope with these feelings. Uh, yeah. my people, the, the adults in my life were crappy at, at coping. So this is my best. This is this is how I've been trained. This is what I've witnessed. This is what's been modeled for me. And so we have to, when we realize these things, it allows us to have more compassion for ourselves. And it's because what happens is if we end up beating ourselves up, we actually make it worse. You know, it's like, oh, I did a little black tar heroin. I might as well do all the black tar heroin. Absolutely. Like, you know what I'm saying? Versus like, all right, I, I did a little. We didn't do it all. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, get back to, let's get back to roofing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. That is, that's, that's a great point. It's, it's kind of this thing, like actually he was saying this the other day that he, when he knows that he has a good thing going that could possibly fall apart, he'll do whatever he can to fuck it up on purpose. So he's in control of the, of the, the, the catastrophe that takes place. Yeah. Like I set myself up for failure pretty much. Like just cause I know things aren't like, I know in my head that things aren't going to end up, end up right. 
So most of the time I'm like, well, I'm just going to do everything I can to make it end on not, I don't. On like, your terms. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, and it's also a way to kind of protect yourself because it's like, I don't want this person to hurt me because it's happened before. So I'm going to do something that hurts them to protect myself. So it's, it's all a, a lot of selfish behavior. And then when you go into rehab, they tell you to be selfish to get out of the situation. Cause it's like, you have to worry about yourself and your well-being so you can, you know, have compassion for other people down the road, but you got to get over this shit first. It's a right. dangerous it, it, it's game. It's so true. And, and I think that one of the things that we haven't learned to do is how to self-soothe, how to take care of ourselves in a way that doesn't hurt the other person, right? It's, that doesn't read as selfish from the other person. Right? Like right now, you know, you're playing with your beard. And, and that's a very self-soothing technique, right? When people are anxious, they, <laughs> yeah. they and it's okay. It's a good thing to do to like, because that's a healthy coping mechanism. That's better than, you know, doing crack or popping pills <laughs> or drinking, right? Yeah. Like to touch yourself, but you know, and, and of course you stop doing it because I brought attention to it, but notice <laughs> what happened. Notice what happens when we bring awareness to our behaviors, we stop the behavior. So it's the same thing with if you're drinking or doing drugs or you feel like yourself spiraling out of control or even sabotaging your relationship. When we bring awareness to what we're doing and we're open and honest about like, hey, I'm screwing this relationship up. I'm, I'm, I'm dragging it down. All of a sudden, that alleviates the burden of, of the guilt and the worry that we had about dragging it down. And then we go, all right, so how do I turn this thing around now? versus the shame and guilt that we have from like, oh my God, I'm pulling this relationship down. Uh, I'm starting to uh, relapse. I hope nobody finds out. It, it just be, it's more empowering to say, hey, I, I relapsed a little bit today. I did some drugs. Um, who's the guy? He has a podcast. Uh, Dak Shepard. He just oh, armchair had a relapse. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Armchair expert. Mm -hmm. And he was open and honest about it. You know, he did a whole episode about what led into the relapse, and he talked to his wife about it. And so it's the hiding of our behaviors that, that makes it trouble. You know, I struggle with, uh, with sugar and sweets. You know, I, I was 275. You don't get there on a keto diet, you know. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was eating a lot. And so that habit is still ingrained in me. You know, the issues are in the tissues. And so I've made it uh, uh, an intention and a purpose of any time I quote unquote relapse to, to binge eating because that's what I have to really do. I have to just stuff my face to go to 275. Um, yeah. I tell my girlfriend, I say, Michelle, you know, today I had there, were, there was a day like a, a, a like a month ago where I, this is this is where I'm at with my binge eating where I was driving home. And I stopped at a 7-Eleven to grab some Pop-Tarts. I ate those Pop-Tarts in the parking lot. And then I drove to another 7-Eleven to get more Pop-Tarts and Oreos. And I ate those in the parking lot. And then I drove to another 7-Eleven oh, and shit. got, like, Pop-Tarts, ice cream, donut. I ate that. And then I drove to a gas station. I forget what I got at the gas station. But I did all of that in the span of, like, 30 minutes. And then I come oh, home and I told Michelle, I go, this is what I just did. And I have a dietitian and I text, I emailed my dietitian and I share that to say, that's where the behavior stopped at that moment. Like it could have easily been 
days of me binging yeah. and overeating and stuff. But because it was a small window and I immediately shared it with the people I felt connected to, I didn't feel shamed or embarrassed by it, you know? And I was like, okay, that was a thing. It happened. Uh, we could look at, you know, what triggered it. Oh, I didn't get enough sleep. I was a bit dehydrated. I was really stressed. I had a long day. Okay. So we just know we got to we got to hydrate more. We have to, you know, all these things that are within our control. So we don't feel like we're out of control all the time. Oh yeah. That's it's, it's funny how like when people explain it like that, cause like I, my, my wife has issues like that. She's always had issues with her weight. She's on the keto diet now. And it's like every so often I'll just see like the, the package of Oreo cookies out on the counter and then she'll call me later while I'm at work and she's like, I just ate a whole sleeve of Oreos. I'm, I'm spinning out of control. And it's for me, sometimes I know it's a little bit insensitive because I, I, I've never had the issue with food because my issue was always something else. And it's like, uh, it's hard to understand like how hard it can be to, because I honestly can't even gain weight. So I've never had the issue. Like I could just eat everything and then I wake up four pounds lighter. So it's, it's, it's nice to hear an explanation like that. Cause it's like the way that you broke that down was like, okay, I went one day and bought weed. Then, then the next day I was like, weed's cool, but cocaine's pretty sweet. <laughs> then it's, then it's this and it's heroin. And then it's now it's out of control and right. you're blowing dudes in the street for you know 30 bucks and it's it gets crazy so fast and and food is everywhere that's the shitty thing about that is you cannot avoid it no matter what you do everywhere you go it there it is um yeah and it's and you know the thing is is that there's certain flavors that can trigger us and you know this is the thing you'll learn about triggers in that we don't we're not always aware of what our triggers are sometimes our triggers are, uh, you know, they're linked to our senses. It's something that, it's a sound that we heard in the background, but we, we didn't pick up consciously. It was just something that resonated. It could be a commercial you saw two days ago that was just kind of lingering in the background. But yeah, I heard smell does that. Yeah, smells do that, taste, touch. You can watch, a t you know, watching TV. A, a lot of our behaviors are linked to, uh, you know, anxiety. And the thing with television and movies is that they're built to induce anxiety. What's going to happen right. next? Are they going to live? Will they survive? Will they get yeah. together? Are they going to open Are that door? Absolutely. Yeah. And so you're, you're, it, it can definitely trigger. So what people don't understand about emotions is that uh, emotions trigger other memories linked to that emotion. So... If you like, you know, say like you were doing drugs out of a feeling of loneliness, right? And then you yeah. watch a TV show uh, or hear a song that triggers a feeling of loneliness. Well, you'll think about that song or that movie or whatever, but then you'll think about all the other memories that are attached with that feeling of loneliness. And then boom, now you're right back to doing the drugs again because that feeling was one of the triggers for your that's why like people who struggle with bipolar disorder mm -hmm. a lot of them can't listen to music because music and is the purpose is to induce emotions but sometimes yeah. the not the wrong emotion but 
the the emotion that could be a catalyst, as you as you phrased it, uh, mm-hmm. that could be a catalyst for certain behaviors might be you know activated uh, through that song or through that TV show or movie. So we have to be aware of what we're taking in and how we then respond to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like there's something that I noticed. Um... Because when, when I was using and stuff, like, as soon as something bad would happen, it could be the most minuscule thing, like, any time. I was just like, well, it's time to fuck my life up again because I'm depressed over this thing that really it really has no, like, real meaning to mess me up that way. But it does, and I just, like, that's what always brings me down that path usually, like. It's always that. That's what triggers me. Is a little thing. One little thing is what could just. Yeah, you feel like a. You feel like you screwed up already. Yeah. I might as well just keep, keep it going. That's like when when someone accuses you of something that you're not doing. Like, as ex drug addicts, it happens a lot with the people that we love and that love us. They they see behavior or they see like a look on your face or something, and it reminds them of what it used to be like. And they're like, "Are you on drugs?" And then it's like. Wow, I can't. What I can't? I can't blink yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, I blinked right, weird. Right. Cool. Yeah. Like there's right, no like, I, like you can't. There's nothing your you keys, can do. Right. Every time I forget my keys, that means yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Oh, I must be so high. I can't find my keys. But yeah, that that thing you said about about hiding the hiding the behavior. Yeah. That's the thing that like the the big discovery of all of it was every time I've relapsed. I would hide it from my wife. I would hide it from everybody, no matter what. If they found drugs in my pants, I'd be like, those, those aren't mine. Those are some other person's drugs. That's what's funny. We, I was a horrible hider when it came to that shit. Because <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I'm doing so good. Nobody knows. And they'd just be like, yeah, you, you look, look horrible. You look crazy <laughs> right now. <laughs> he loses 40 pounds in a month. Yeah. He's gray and sweaty. Yeah. It gets it gets it's, it's insane looking back. We, we think like just doing this is is enough. Like I look good, right? Like this yeah, no like, grease. Can't, like we just we do this with our <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straighten yeah. my just, shirt. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I look perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't worry about the sweat and the gloss on your face, your <laughs> your pinhole eyes and all this shit. Yeah, you just like rub your teeth real yeah. quick. You're like, all right, yeah. All right. Breath check <laughs> like it tell. fucking matters at all. <laughs> yeah, you never you never know how terrible you look while you're on drugs cuz there was times I know especially for him that he would like look in the mirror and be like, "Damn, I look fucking yeah. great today." And Taking then he selfies. Would, yeah, he would see that selfie a year later and be like, Jesus, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, that's you, dude. That just happened to me. Yeah. Like, like, this is fa- what I remember you like, dude. One of my family members posted a picture from when I wasn't doing too hot. And I was, I was like, why is this up? Like, what the fuck? I'm like, right. I don't look like that. And they were like, look at my nephew. And I'm like, there's a different no. picture you could post. Take that down immediately. <laughs> yeah, it looks like garbage. For real um but yeah back to like with comedy i was i've been like tinkering with the idea like during the during the lockdown i've been trying to write different things and i have a few friends that uh that are stand-up comics um and i i try to get tips from them because there's a guy i know that's been doing it for like four years or so which is still pretty pretty fresh in the scene 
And I'm like, sometimes I think like, is 33 too late to get into it? And then I listen to things like Kill Tony and there's guys that are, you know, the same age and that's their first time getting on stage and they get all this encouragement. And it's like, I guess, like, obviously it's something that has to be honed over the course of time. Like you go up every day and you work out different things. And then there's some people, this lucky select few that go up and they just, they murder every time. Like they, the first time they go up, they, they kill, like they'll bomb eventually, but they kill when they go up. And, and then the other thing is while, when I'm writing, since I listen and I, I watch so much stand up, it's really hard to like, try to think of a different, uh, a different premise than what I've already heard from all these people. Cause I, I listen to a lot of like Mark Normand or, or Sam Morrill, um, like Tom Segura, Bill Burr, Burt Kreischer, all those guys, and Brian Callen. I was actually just watching uh, all the three specials that he has on Amazon and then all of your stuff. And it's like, fuck, man, I, I always hear that bit that I'm like, damn it. I had this idea. I wish I would have written it. And I know all you guys go through that shit too. Um, but who, who were some of your, like, who are the guys that you, that you really like that are in the scene right now? Like, do you watch any of the stand-up out now? You know, that, so that's a great question. Uh, do I watch any stand right now? When I was first starting stand-up, and, and this is for anybody who's doing anything, when you're first starting out, you, you're going to end up imitating, you know, other artists because that, yeah. you're taking so much in. You're, you can't help it. You're studying, right? You talk about you watch all of Brian Callens, you watch mine, you're watching all these different uh, comedians, and that's what you should be doing, you know? seeing what's out there, taking it all in. And, but the right to see, you know, what they're talking about, what jogs your, what, what jogs your, uh, what jogs some ideas, some memories. Oh yeah, I had that thing that happened to me. You know, what, what, what stories does it come, come to mind as you're, as you're watching this so that you're, you're personalizing uh, these things that uh, are so universal, a lot of these concepts and themes and ideas, right? Yeah. Um, but then there's a point where you uh, have to stop watching stand-up comedians because now it's about, it's almost like the bird getting kicked out the nest. It's like, listen, we've been feeding you, feeding you, taking care of you, and now you got to figure out how to fly on your own. Like, I can't teach you how to fly. You just got to jump out the nest and figure it out on your own, and that's going to come from stage time and the, the course, finding your own voice basically tough right now to, to get on stage it's about like yeah finding your voice and finding and, and finding your voice is really about finding the things that bother you what like what bothers yeah. you you know the, the way you, you know the fact that you're, you're clean now and now you can't make it you can't make any mistakes because people think you're doing drugs you know like like that's yeah. a huge thing you know so it's like to take note of what bothers you and, and you specifically are, you know, uh, uh, Viola Davis, um, you know, actress, and she said, uh, great actors don't study other actors. They observe life, right? And yeah. so in the beginning right now, you're just starting out with comedy. Yeah, watch all the comedy you possibly can. See what comes up for you. Read all the books. Be a student. Give your, you know, like put yourself through a university of like, I'm going to watch all of these specials, the good, the bad, 
the, the international, all that stuff. Give yourself a time frame, especially now with the quarantine. You're not going to get enough. You're not going to get enough stage time to find your voice anyway. So this yeah. is the time to be a student of, of the craft and, and, and understand it, not just what's happening today, but where it started from. Study, you know, the, the, uh, to me, Stan goes back to court gestures, uh, gestures where yeah. they had to make the king laugh and the people laugh without the king cutting off their head and without the yeah. people stoning them to death. That's a fine line. That's the art oh, right yeah. there, right? So, yeah, that's you know, higher stakes than Lenny so Bruce the, had. Absolutely. So <laughs> you want to study, you want to study the, the art right now, but then after a while, on your own, um, you know, Chris Rock said that he studies preachers. So I actually, you know, I start watching preachers more because they're great storytellers. They have an amazing through line and they are constantly uh, repeating what the message of the, uh, the ministry is, right? And yeah. they, have a, they have a certain stage presence and uh, the great ones are funny. They're funny, they're engaging, they're interesting. Mm -hmm. So, you, 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 you know, it's, I know some comics, they study rock stars. So it's really about what is the energy, you know, after you, after you study, you know, enough um, comedians, they start thinking about what kind of energy do I want to bring to the stage? Do I want to have this rock star energy? Do I want to have a preacher energy? Do I want to have, uh, like, grandfather? Like, uh, I want to be the uncle? Like, you know, if you, you know it goes back to uh, uh, Tony uh, Diaz where he hung around a lot of old dudes and, and all these cats who told stories. So you, you feel that energy coming from him. Absolutely. But that's because that's what he absorbed for so many years of his life. And so now he can bring that to the stage, right? So as you start to evolve, you, you, you one, want to study other art forms. It's like, what energy do I want to bring? But also just observing life. So literature, a lot of people um, who feel lonely, who feel disconnected, I'm always encouraging my clients to read fiction. Don't read self-help books. Self-help books make you feel like you're not doing enough. It's like True. you read any self-help book, there are a million things they're asking you to do. And it's like, I barely got out of bed this morning. <laughs> you want me to, to make a, a vision board and to write uh, letters yeah. to my nine-year-old self and, yeah, to, yeah. you know, repent. Like I, don't have to, like, I don't have energy for all of that no. stuff. But when you read uh, literature, when you read biographies, what you get is this idea of what it means to live life because they're, they're, they're taking you through a beginning, middle, end, right? When you're, when you're watching these celebrities on the Internet, you're just getting a snapshot of them right now, but you're not, yeah. you're not getting a backstory. You're not getting context. So as you get better at observing and, um, and taking notes of life, I love to read obituaries. That's, you know, part of my inspiration oh, yeah. comes from, I watch preachers. I read obituaries. I read, uh, right now I'm, uh, I'm rereading crime and punishment. Um, okay. and so I, I, I like to read I, I, when I listen to podcasts, it's podcast, not with other comedians, but of people telling their story, because then you start to hear these universal things and you start to get a better grasp of what people are really going through and how they really feel about it so that you can articulate it better on stage. 
that's a good idea. Like I didn't even think about that. I've been trying to watch as many comedians on different podcasts and hope that, cause like there's some podcasts out there like hot breath that they have comedians on to try to explain like the way that they go about joke writing and all that stuff. Right. But like Joe Rogan is a perfect example of that having all the people that he has on between, you know, scientists, people that have been abducted by aliens, people that mm-hmm. crossed Antarctica on their, like with just walking across Antarctica and shit like that. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely, it seems like it would be a good way to like, try to like kind of cherry pick from other people's life. And you can also, you're looking at it from a, from a different perspective. So you can probably see something funny that you could put into that situation and then just use it on, use it as your own thing. Cause right now with, with what's going on, like, I mean, it's not super locked down here in Arizona, but it's also not like a busy city where, you know, you can go walk down in the city and all this stuff is happening and you can have different interactions that would give you some kind of fodder to, to pass on stage. So a lot of it is like me trying to think of like, things that happened in the past and then or just trying to make up stuff but that's where it becomes super difficult because then it's like i'm not being i'm not using my voice i'm not being true to myself because some of advice that i've gotten was uh at first you want to try to tell more true stories to make and try to make them funny that way it's easier to uh it's easier to connect with the audience because you're actually being yourself and telling your story and i was like that that made a lot of sense to me and uh back to what you were saying actually with the whole rock star energy like sam kinnison obviously was a big one that was uh, along those lines i've been a musician since i was uh 13 years old i've i've played in a bunch of different bands i've done shows all over the place i've played drums i've been a vocalist i've done all that stuff and that's actually where i got the the bug to want to actually go out and do it myself is because while the guitarists and the bassists are tuning up the the instruments i have to keep the crowd entertained so i would just do like banter like crowd work basically with the people that were in the audience and then when I got people to laugh, that felt better than people applauding my vocals for the songs. I was like, I want to stop the songs and get people to laugh again because that felt so good. Like if I could get that feeling as many times as the people that are in like New York uh, when it's not a pandemic, get you know they can go up three, four times a night. And when you're getting that great feeling, it, it has to override the, the, the bombing, which feels terrible. Let me ask you this. Why did, why did you get married? Why did I get married? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I, never really, uh, I never really loved the concept of, of marriage. And I had always said from a decently young age, like, 19 probably that i would never do it um and then i was in jail for basically the end of 2016 and then all through 2017 until september 2017 was the last time i was in jail and this um my wife she was my girlfriend at the time when i went in she was like the only person that that had stuck with me through the whole thing and and uh she put money on on her phone so I could call her from the jail every single day. She would come to visit me all the time. 
and it was it was kind of just that thing that like this i had a girlfriend the first time i got arrested i had a different girlfriend and she so she was loyal to you absolutely she, yeah so and why is loyalty so important to you i guess it has to be it has to be it stems from when i was uh when i was 13 i had a friend who lived up the street who was my best friend and he was 16 at this time i was at his house and he was like depressed about like a girl or his parents like had just divorced and all this stuff was going on in his life and then i was leaving his house he shot himself and i so i was in his house for for that that moment and then it was kind of like, because I was so young and it was such a traumatic experience, I was just like, I, I feel like he abandoned me when he was supposed to be like my, I have two brothers, but he was like my brother because my brothers had their own friends. They were doing their own thing. This guy was like, he was everything to me at the time because he was like, he was a role model. He was an older, an older kid. So I think that's where, where loyalty became such a huge thing, especially with friends. And that's always actually well, kind of well, been a why problem. why was abandonment such a, a big deal for you? Because you, you um, talked about what your wife was loyalty and what your friend was abandonment. Why, why at the age of 13 was abandonment a big deal for you? I think it's because I felt like my, my dad, my dad was there, but the issue was like, he was with my mom, like they were married, but my dad's job, he was gone for 85% of the year. So I never really got to see him. And I, I feel like that's it. Cause I remember being a young kid and like the night before my dad had to leave and go back to the job for four or five months at a time. And I wasn't going to see him. I remember just crying in my room and him coming in and being like, you know, I have to go, it's work. And I, I guess I had resentment for that. And that's kind of where, that's the only thing I can think of that that would have it would have built up from that any kind of abandonment. And, what, and so you, you talk about resentment. Yeah. Uh, wh why did you feel resentment towards your dad? I know you talked about you know he wasn't really there, but why else? What about him not being there uh, caused you to feel resentment? Um. Well, when my mom now is the greatest person ever like she's a hospice nurse and i love her back then it was like it was scary at times she had um post premenstrual dysphoria disorder or something along those lines and it it just became a scary situation what many does that times mean? i don't know what that is it's kind of like what uh i don't know if it was andrea yates the one that drowned her kids she drowned like five kids in a bathtub. That's what yeah. she had. Wow. So I had those types of issues. And, and uh, I mean, there was, there was other, other things like uh, just witnessing things that a child shouldn't see and just being kind of scarred by that type of shit. And it was like, my dad's not here and I feel like he should be. And you I wasn't old unsafe. enough. You felt yeah. unsafe with your mom. I did at a time and now it's obviously it's a hundred percent different like i can't even picture her the way she was back then because of how she is now she she made a complete 180 like it's it's quite amazing and, and so that's your whole hour right there right? <laughs> <laughs> you just wrote an hour 
Yeah. Now I just have to make it not depressing. <laughs> no, no. But 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 it's fascinating. You, you just have to be interesting. Oh, that's right? true. That's all people care about. People aren't. People come to laugh, but they're really there just to forget themselves. And they don't care if you make them cry, laugh, get angry. They don't care how you do it. Like when you go see a movie. You, you, yeah, you, you you pretty much know what the movie's going to be. Like a Batman's going to be action. This is going to be dramatic, whatever. But you don't know what you're really in for. And, you know, many times I watch the movie like, damn, I didn't think I was going to cry at the end of this thing. Right? <laughs> I didn't was think like I was going to laugh so much. Right? So yeah. that that's how you click through your set is you start off with where you are right now. I'm married. This is my wife. I have a kid. Blah, blah, blah. And then you go through... You know, she was loyal to me. I was in jail. What was jail like? How scary was that? What'd you go to jail for? Did, you know, uh, you know, did all the things that we watched on Oz happen to you in jail? Right? <laughs> First, we want to hear about your marriage, where you are, yeah. and then what happened right before that. And then, you know, uh, I did a lot of drugs, you know, because my, my dad wasn't around. I felt abandoned, you know, when you when, when you're abandoned by your father and your father was always off running around. So I was doing drugs. All right. What kind of drugs did you do? What kind of experiences did you have on the, on the drugs? How are the drugs different? All that shit. And then it was like my dad wasn't around. And then I saw I was left with my mom. And my mom was crazy because, you know, she had that shit where the lady killed five of her kids. I thought my mom was going to kill me every night. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't sleep for like the first 18 years of my life. I was like doing push-ups <laughs> and chin-ups and shit. I was like, I didn't know when she, you know. And so... All these things inform your your comedy. And because it's so specific, it's fascinating. It's interesting. I never heard of what you said your mom had before. And then yeah. somebody in the audience goes, oh, shit, mama. You know how many people have their, have had a dad who wasn't around because he, he worked all the time or just didn't care enough to be there or, you know, struggle with that? How many people do drugs? So uh, along the step. Your story is relatable, and, and, I, and I, I emphasize this because there are people who are listening in right now, and I'm always admonishing to my clients to tell your story because as you tell your story, you'll realize that so many people connect with your story. You know, like yeah. my father wasn't a, around either. My father had two families. I was a north side family. He had a south side family, and, oh, and that south side family, he was married and had two daughters. And that was his primary residence. So I saw my dad maybe on the holidays, maybe wow. on my birthday, right? And so I can relate to that. You know, my mom, you know, she, I wasn't worried about her necessarily killing me, but I got beatings as a child. I wasn't punished. I didn't get counseled. <laughs> I got beatings, electric cord, things like that. So there's that, that, that I, I relate with that feeling of, of wanting to feel safe. And, and yeah. anytime I'm in a situation where I don't feel safe, I recoil and I feel small and I shrink away. So it, it goes back to, you know, you and your wife, like your wife's addiction is, you know, Oreos and drugs. It is the same thing. Addiction is a day. The, the CEO of Zappos, right? Uh, when you read about him, he had an addictive personality, and it didn't matter what it was. He was addicted to ideas, starting businesses, uh, working out, walking around barefoot. The dude was just addicted to anything, drugs, sex, money. It was, and then it all just came to uh, a head, uh, unfortunately, 
for him. So addiction is addiction. Loneliness is loneliness. It doesn't matter if I feel lonely because of this movie or I feel lonely because of the relationship or, you know, what is causing it. it, it the, the emotions don't care what's causing it. it it's, it's still the same. So you had, you just wrote an entire hour and because you're so specific, the audience can relate. Every drugs, daddy issues, mommy issues, being married and you're young and there's an age gap difference. There's so much yeah. there. There's so much there. Is there a thing like in, in psychology? Cause there's this, there's this thing that I've always noticed that when either if I'm having a dream or in my imagination that when I imagine myself like talking to somebody else, I imagine myself smaller than that person in my head. Well, I can't tell because you got a better mic than your host. I mean, apparently you think yourself <laughs> better than him because you gave this guy, he doesn't have a, a sound guard or nothing. <laughs> he, got the, he, got like, he got the mic that was left over. He got the from like the first yeah. episode. <laughs> that, thing, <laughs> that, just shows, that just shows that I made a little bit more money at a certain point. So I bought this mic and then he bought that mic at the yeah. end. This was my start off. Yeah. Just yeah. to get it going, man. <laughs> yeah. That was like a last minute purchase. Right, I was bet. like, just get an SM58. It's like yeah. 60 bucks. Who gives a shit? But yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, uh, I try to like, I try to kind of put on this, this facade of, of, of having enough confidence to, to go through shit, but I'm riddled with anxiety. I go through a lot of depressive moments and I go, I, I just, I don't know what it is about my imagination. It, no matter what I do, if I'm not thinking about making myself a bigger person than them in my imagination, I end up being smaller and they end up being bigger. And I don't know if that has something to do with like an authority figure. Cause it's usually, that's what it is in my, in my dreams. It's like an authority figure. If it was like a police officer or my mom, I'm, I'm six, three and a half. And I use the half like you use the half. Cause if I say six, four, <laughs> my brother's six, five, he's going to call bullshit on me and I can't have that. Yeah. So I'm six, three and a half. My mom's five, nine. But in my dream, it switched. And I, I was like, is there something weird about that? Because I don't purposely put it that way but, in my head. But that's, the, but that's the importance of, you know, I'm always talking about there's five things that I do every day. I journal, exercise, read, meditate, self-talk. I call it germs, right? And the journaling is so important. It's something that I used to, you know, scoff at uh, back in the day of like only girls journal and you know, I got, I got, I don't need to talk about my feelings. And I realized journaling isn't about that. It's really about getting your ideas down on paper. And, and the example I give to people who, uh, you know, think that journaling isn't, isn't for them. The most uh, valued book in the world, in the world, is a journal. It's a Leonardo da Vinci's journal. And it's, oh, yeah. I, I forget what it's valued at. It's like valued at $50 million. Of all yeah. the books that have ever been written, the journal is the most important thing. And when you study great leaders, you study any of the presidents, they all journal. They all took notes. Don't even think about it as journaling. Think about it as taking notes. Think about it as taking stock of your day of, of just what happened today. How did I feel about what happened? What worked? What didn't work? What am I looking forward to? What bothered me? What got me excited? 
uh, you know, what, what needs to change? I, you know, I, I ate this for breakfast. I felt a little slow and sluggish. I'm going to take a nap after. Maybe I shouldn't have that anymore. So oh, it, it's shit, about man. getting the Blow stuff in your head down on paper so that you can actually become your own therapist, your own coach, so that you can be a little bit more reflective. There's so much going on up here. We can't, we can't sift through it all. So you get oh, yeah. it down on paper or you put it in your computer. And I know a lot of people are afraid. What if somebody else reads it? Let them read it. So what? Yeah, if they're it. reading it, then <laughs> all right, it's like what's going on in your life that you're so fascinated by my life, right? So Absolutely. get it down on paper. Get it in, uh, you know, uh, or, or on your laptop. They have online um, journals that you can use. I use Penzu, P-E-N-Z-U. That's not a, a advertisement. It's just what I use. And you can add photos and videos and things like that to it. Um, so it's just cool. So I have a million journals. I have, I'm, I'm always, I got notebooks right here. I got papers. I got, I'm just constantly, I got the notes in my, like I'm constantly writing out things. Uh, you just write it out like I'm you're talking to yourself? About. Yeah. That's yeah I just, it just, it varies. There's some days where I'm like, you know, uh, writing the same thing over and over again. Like this sucks, okay. this sucks, this sucks. Why'd I do that? So, you know, uh, sometimes I write on paper because I, I want to write it. You know, I, I'm really I like the feeling a certain way about that. a thing. Yeah. Sometimes I have it on a little notepad. I got <laughs> papers all over the place, right? Like it yeah, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't stop for me. So it's a, it's a question of what am I really feeling? Am I really feeling like I need to express myself? Or am I really feeling like I just want to sit down and just kind of go over the day, you know? Uh, and so on those days, I mean, usually I usually type those out of like, what happened today? Because you'd be surprised at the end of the day, all the things you've forgotten about. You're like, oh, holy oh, shit, crap, yeah. I forgot I did that today. That felt like it was like 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And then it, it you also, it helps with your memory, right? Because you start to remember things and it starts to, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, and that, oh, that's what she meant when she said that, right? So oh, you'll, yeah, you'll, you'll also start to replay conversations with your wife, and it'll give you more insight as to what was really <laughs> happening, right? You'll be like, oh, my God, Ugh, you know? Yeah, I always so, say when we, get into a when we get into an argument, she'll pull out all this crazy shit that happened years ago, and I'm like, you're like a prosecutor. You walked in <laughs> with your, like, rolling filing cabinet pulled out a stack of folders and you're just flipping through them. And I got a fortune cookie piece of paper in my hand and that's all I've got. Like, I don't right. know. And that's the damaging thing to do to, to bring up things from years ago. You know, exactly. It's when we're having, you know, Michelle and I are having a conversation. I, I go, I, I understand you want to talk about that, but let's just handle, we're struggling with what's going on right now. So yeah. can we just talk about, what's happening right now and then at some other point come back to that you know we have a therapist we have a i have a couples therapist i have an individual therapist i have a, like i have a team of people so as you start to get older right and you start to make more money you, you start to you realize oh i need a team around me like for me to be walking this earth by myself or with just Michelle, like that's not enough i i need like you know back in the day we had the, the tribe, the village, it, they're not just there to raise the children. They're there to raise you. They were there to raise the child in you, right, that's still yeah. struggling at the age of 33. But we don't have access to the elders that we once had 
when we were younger. So now we need a therapist. Now we need a coach. Now we need a counselor. We need a mentor. We, we need this and that surround us to make us, to help us feel supported because your spouse can't do all that emotional work for you. And it's ludicrous to think that, that they can. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, um, that's like with me when I went to rehab, I had to get a, I had to get a sponsor who, um, I call and he, I call him like, cause I had to work my 12 steps. So he kind of told me about the whole journaling thing. He was telling me through all that, but he was like, if you can't like, what I'm here for is to help you work through the things you're going through every day. Call me every day, no matter what it is. Tell me what happened. Tell me what's going on. I'm here to kind of pick your brain. So you can kind of put two and two together and figure things out. And like, that's just, that's something that, you know what I mean? I, I didn't really believe in all that before, but once I got my sponsor and I talked to him and he kind of worked me through that stuff and I talked to him and let everything out, he's like, well, dude, you should have done this a little differently, or maybe this will help if you do it this way, or maybe, you know what I mean? Just certain things like that, but that's just kind of, that's kind of the way I like I have it in myself, like in my personal life. Yeah, sometimes you can forget how you react to a certain thing, how it can affect the way that you you feel about the situation. Like if you overreact to something, like if I overreact to something, I haven't done it in forever because when I did overreact to something, I was so – I felt so embarrassed for myself that I was like, why did I even care about that thing like in the in the scope of everything that meant nothing to me and i overreacted to it i could have just been like okay whatever who cares because i didn't but it's like a it's like a weird pride thing and pride is like the hardest thing to try to get rid of like the 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 ego that exists to try to get rid of that thing it's like it's because it's they're so entangled in in your mind Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I love that you said in terms of like, uh, what do I, what can I do differently is it's so imperative that we don't view our behaviors as good or bad, right? Yeah. The angel over here, the devil over there, like there's a lot in between in the middle, right? Like, and so to get comfortable with the nuance and to instead look at, the, at, at, at our behaviors as, all right, what worked, what didn't work, what can I do differently so that I have a, a, a different outcome. That happened today, but now let's look at tomorrow. What was effective? What was ineffective? What moved me closer to my goal? What moved me further from my goal? So when we start to think of things as effective or ineffective, it takes the judgment out of it. And it keeps us in a mind frame of what we're actually trying to achieve, right? It, uh, because if you go, that was good, that was bad, Okay, I, now I feel bad, and if I and if it was good, now I got a little ego about it because I'm like, hey, I did a good yeah, job. I don't know. know about you guys, but but I did my part, right? Yeah, so yeah. either way it goes, you're screwed on a good or bad thing, on the angel or devil. But if you say, was that effective? Did it work? And then it re, it automatically jogs your mind up to what it is you're working towards. What's the bigger picture here? Is this conversation effective? Is me yeah. bringing this up right now? Is this effective for our relationship? I want us to be married forever. Does that help us move towards our goal? Or does it move us away from our goal? Is this something that I'm, I'm never going to be able to live down because you know I, I said this thing and, and now it's, a, it's something I can't take back? 
right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's what's the language that we're using around our behaviors? Because the universe is indifferent. The universe is an operator, good or bad. You know, I go hiking all the time, and it makes you realize the universe doesn't give a damn about you. It's not this beautiful, rosy, whatever. Like, there's a hawk waiting for a mountain lion to take me yeah. down so it could come down and peck my eyes out, right? Like, the, like the, even the river, the trees. Like, nature, every time I go walking in nature, nature's waiting for me to die so it oh, can, yeah. it can reabsorb yeah. me. And yeah, so it can feed on you. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so this whole idea of like nature's our friend, <laughs> nature's is at all times waiting for you to trip, fall, hit your head, and then letting yeah. nature really come in and, 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 and clean it up. So do you think like in a relationship, do you think that if, if, uh, if something like say one person or the other person, they do something bad that really really upsets the other person do you think that there's a way to actually get over that if it's like okay this person does something bad then the other person's like i forgive you for that but no matter what happens months and months and months down the road it's still being an issue almost on a regular basis is that do you think that that's like is that just the person who said I forgive you. Is that on them? Like if, if they weren't going to forgive you, they should have just been like, this is over with because I cannot get over this. But now it's like, I forgive you, but now I'm just going to make your life miserable for a long time. And I might never forget this. And it's just always going to be this way. Do you think there's a way like, no, so that's a, that's a, that's a great question. So I had a friend of mine, um, his, his wife cheated on him. And he came to me and he was like, what do I do here? And I go, well, the first thing you have to decide is um, you have to, you have to ask yourself, what do you, why do you feel like she did it? Do you feel like she did it because she's an evil person who uh, doesn't care about you um, and, uh, and wants out of the relationship? Or do you think she did it because she misses you? And you're not showing up and, and, and um, you know, providing for her needs. Because he, he worked all the time. And he, and he works a lot and, and really home. And then when he's home, he kind of checks out, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like getting back to the source. Of, like when I asked you, you know, why did you get married? It took us all the way back to I, my, I felt unsafe with my mom. I thought my mom was going to kill me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's like getting to the source of why you think they did that behavior. And then if so, if you decide that it's because of her character, then you have to divorce her because no matter what you do, she's going to cheat again. Right. But yeah. if you think it's in response or in reaction to her, like she's tried every other means of trying to connect with you and you have been uh, unresponsive and this is her way of getting your attention well, now you have something to work with because, you know, I used to substitute teaching. You would have kids who would act out just so that you would give them eye contact, just so you would, you know, somebody would put their hand on their shoulder. They, they, they just wanted physical contact, and they didn't care if that meant uh, if, if it was through balled up fists or a hand on the shoulder. They didn't care how yeah. they got it, right? So, yeah. you know, and the same thing, and if you decide that 
she was trying to get your attention and uh, there are just some things that she, she has been trying to communicate to you about the relationship and how she's feeling. Now you have something to work with. And then you have to, at, at the same time, you have to let go. You can never bring up the infidelity again. If once you decide that you're going to keep this person in your life um, because of that behavior, you can never, ever use that against her because then you're just going to push her away back into that same behavior, right? So you have to figure out, that's, that not an onus is on you to figure out how to let that go and what that process is and to be able to communicate to her what you need from her also because she's trying to communicate her needs but also you have to be able to communicate like what is it that you need from her so that you can feel and don't make it unreasonable like you know for the next two years the next it's like no no like yeah, emotionally yeah. what is it that you need from her or practically or whatever that is and then build out from there and don't go changing the rules as you go along like have a duration mm -hmm. path outcome meaning you know, have a window of like, this is what I need for the next four weeks or for the next three weeks or whatever, or from now, maybe from now on, depending on what it is. But yeah, like, yeah. I hope that answers your question. It's like, if, if someone is unable to let go of something that's happened uh, in the in the past, then, you, you know, you have to decide, like, is this a relationship I want to stay in? Because maybe that person couldn't wait to get something on you so they could hold it over you. And that's part of their character. So, because it helps them to feel powerful, right? So, because yeah. from your dream, what it sounds like is that you're feeling powerless and it's not yeah. really about the cop or the other people. There's something in your life, someone in your life that's uh, bringing up those emotions for you and <laughs> you're not facing it in, in some way to be like, you know, to, you know, there's nothing wrong with you saying, listen, when you say this, when you do that, I feel powerless. And I don't know if that's your intention, but that's what's coming up for me. And then you just start from there and you let that, you give that person time to respond and you just kind of observe to see, are they, are they defensive? Are they like, oh, that wasn't my, oh, my bad. I didn't realize. Cause sometimes, you know, we do things unconsciously. We don't, yeah. we're not always aware of what we're doing. You know, we're reactive in so many ways you know, she's 24. So her, even on a physiological level, your wife's brain is just now really uh, fully, uh, fully developing the prefrontal cortex, which is yeah. the, the, the thinking part of your brain. You see, so like in men, you know, you got your brain, we got our brain, right? But we're mostly amygdala, right? We're mostly limbic system, which is fight, flight, or freeze. That's our animal reptilian brain. And that part of our brain is the largest part of our, or is the larger part of our brain. Our prefrontal cortex is like a, uh, uh, like a, a sixth of our amygdala. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's where our logic is. So think about that. The logical part of our brain is this small. And then the reactive part is that big. So wow. in men, it typically, the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until we're 25. And in okay. uh, women, it usually happens around 20. Now, if there's drug, if there are drugs involved, if there's physical abuse involved, that could take longer. And mm -hmm. it can, and maybe it never fully develops because of all the, the head trauma. You look at athletes, uh, you know, CTE, if they played, uh, you know, peewee football, high school, college football, 
it may never get fully developed. And then they're always kind of in this reactive state. So that's where the compassion comes in is really understanding the source of some of our behaviors with each other. And then just, you know, you also have to determine like, at what point have you just like, this is, I've had enough and <laughs> we have to yeah, do it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a, uh, it, that definitely answered my question that, uh, that was, uh, I can see why you're a life coach. You're fucking great. Oh, yeah, at sure. you're, a, you're a very, very smart man. Um, Thank you. Guys, wow. uh, I do have to go. Um, totally get but, it. Uh, I appreciate the sign. Did you have uh, like a last question? I could take one more question or thought or. Um, did you have anything? Um, I was just wondering like. Oh, do you want to ask about the psychedelic thing? Yeah, I wanted to ask you something too, like, cause you you go uh, you have uh, you mastered in psychology, so I wanted to see, um, you know how they're doing the studies now with uh psychedelic like psychedelic experiences, like I don't know if you have any experience in the psychedelic drugs themselves, but do you have you read anything that kind of tells you like or shows you that there is proof that something like that can help? Because I've been reading a lot about it, and I was just wondering. Yeah, it like, says it helps depression, I think. Yeah, it helps with your emotions, like depression and yeah. PTSD and stuff like that. And I was just wondering. So, I have zero experience myself with right. psychedelics. I haven't tried any. The, the harshest drug I've tried is I've smoked weed. I had a gummy. Uh, I had a gummy at a high altitude. Bad idea. I had, I had like oh, four gummies no. at Terrible. once at, at in uh, Oregon. Such a horrible uh, experience. <laughs> anyway, but um, the and so I I can't speak completely. My experience has been, and I'm just talking for me, and this is not based on research. Yeah, My yeah. experience has been is that the mind is powerful enough to work through these things. There's been studies on meditation, and right. People who meditate long enough start to have uh, hallucinatory uh, experiences. They have psychedelic uh, type of experiences to the point where some of them, because they, they, they go on these uh, ultra um, meditative uh, experiences where they're doing it for hours, which I don't recommend for anybody, uh, yeah. they, they kind of don't come back. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, the yeah. mind itself can generate these experiences if we're willing to sit with it long enough. And so we don't have to reach and grab for this drug or that drug or that thing or that thing. Yeah, yeah. If it was something that we needed, it would be everywhere. I tell you what is everywhere, water. The earth is 70% water. So yeah. water, well, you look at what's everywhere. That's what we need, air and water and land. Like yeah. those are the things that we need to thrive on. And then everything else is is internal. So we know that with our mind, that's why you see Buddhist monks who can set themselves on fire and not be like, ah, ah, ah. they could just yeah, sit yeah. there and it's burn crazy. it. Because that's the power of the mind. Now, they might be on something that we don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. From what I know, they're able to set themselves on fire. Uh, we have human beings that can hold a breath for 11 minutes. Oh, so it's like David Blaine. Is yeah, yeah the, the body is capable of remarkable feats that don't require any type of uh, drugs. Remember, our body is full of chemicals already. It's full of dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, all these chemicals that are just floating around, and there are different ways for us to activate them 
and and trigger them into so that we can use them for the state that we're we're trying to seek. But but they they require work. Okay, hey everybody, what the fuck is up? Um, this is the uh, this is the outro just for the audio version of uh, episode 20 with super special guest Leo Flowers. Yeah. Now, was that not an awesome conversation everybody? That was it was it was basically like having a life coach for a day. Like yeah. I can totally see why the fuck this guy is a life coach cuz he had the answers. I stayed quiet mainly because I was incredibly nervous. Yeah, yeah. Crippling <laughs> but, anxiety and whatnot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As he points out because of the beard touching. Yeah, yeah, which but is funny. This guy's so freaking smart that, like, yeah. it was just. It, I'd I, I could listen to him talk pretty much all day, which all of you can. Yeah. Because he's with, got his own podcast. Yeah. The, the Before You Kill Yourself, Before You Kill Yourself podcast. Um, I've listened to a bunch of episodes of it. He has people like Gary Goleman and, and Brian Callen and a shitload of, of doctors and psychologists and all these different uh, professionals. And um, it, was a, it was a pleasure to have him on. And we hope um, coming up in the next few months, hopefully we can uh, actually meet him in person and uh, do, a, do a legit yeah. uh, podcast in person. And um, we are talking with uh, the guy who actually set up this interview with, uh, or this podcast with Leo. Um, he is trying to get us another, uh, another amazing, incredible guest. Yeah. Like this guy is, he's he's the shit, man. Like he's literally, he's he's thanking us as if we're doing anybody a favor. Like we're just. <laughs> We're just trying to to spread some kind of positivity and understanding of addiction and mental health and you know everything that comes along with that. And this guy is handing us these very high level uh, guests, and we cannot thank him enough. Like uh, I'm honestly, I'm trying to think of a way to 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 do something for this guy for just handing us over. Yeah, dude. Two incredible guests. Uh, we won't tell you right at this moment who it is because we want to get it on the books first and be sure. Because I don't want to say it and then be like, just kidding, we suck and no one fucking <laughs> yeah. cares and no one likes us. We're fucking pussies and everybody hates us and we already knew that. Um, but we are actually about to record episode number 21, which is a, a solo episode. Um, and then hopefully within the next... A uh, couple weeks, we're going to have uh, Eric Helwig from America's Got Talent. Um, and then hopefully sometime either uh, before Dude, or just after that, we'll have uh, this new guest. guests back to back. I mean, like, yeah, but like you were saying, Lucky, I, I want to know his real name. Yeah, right? I don't know his real name either. His, uh, yeah, his. You know who you are, bud. Yeah. Thank you so fucking much for that. Yeah. It's so You're the man, awesome. dude. Yeah. And, uh, thanks for supporting us because... No Honestly. one really, no one else is. Yeah. Uh, we're the only self-produced, self-edited podcast that I know of. Uh, I only know of a few others, but I do all the editing. All the stuff was purchased through us, um, and and everything is done in my fucking home. Yeah, we get no outside help really. Like, DIY baby. Yeah, this is a, this is a legit DIY podcast. So for anybody to recognize or give a fuck 
what we say or do being just roofers from Lake Havasu, Arizona. Yeah, Lake Havasu. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, nobody big comes from here. Yeah. Like Phoenix, you'd be like, okay, whatever, Phoenix. You know, that's a big-ass yeah. city. There's a lot of people there. There's so much out there. But... but this, there's nothing here, and this is literally all we can do to to stay off of drugs and then just to kind of give back to to the community that we were just delinquents, yeah, a delinquent yeah. part of. Now we're doing the best we can to kind of restore a little bit of a, of a good footprint rather than the shitty one yeah, like, that we left before being criminal drug addicts. It's like, it's like we're helping people cope with our shitty decisions yeah. by making them laugh because we yeah, laugh yeah. about it. And it's yeah. not funny, but it's funny to us. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's something that we're... You know, obviously, we're ashamed of, of, course, of how of we were. Because when I hear back, uh, when people tell me, like, uh, oh, do you remember saying or doing this thing? And I'm just like, God damn it. Like, I I know it's true, but I don't want to believe it. Well, what about this one? Hey, I've met you before. And you're like, huh? Oh. <laughs> when? Was, yeah, was, it a, was it a good thing or bad thing? Not great. Yeah. That's the usual, yeah. That's, that's the usual I, response. That's what I've gotten a yeah. times. More often than not, I've never <laughs> had somebody come up and be like, "Hey, I I met you before. You're awesome. Like, you didn't ask me for money or drugs or pills or anything, because that was the other thing. It was you were asking other people for money that you don't even really know that well, or you're asking like, "Hey, can I raid your mom's medicine cabinet yeah. for Vicodin or anything cool like that? Can you invite me over? Yeah. Can uh can I hang out with your mom? Like, do you have a grandma or some shit? Um, but yeah, it's uh. It's crazy that that uh, that somebody gives us any recognition or, or uh, any kind of attention, any kind of positive attention for doing what we do. And uh, honestly, it it makes us feel like all of this, all this money spent and just hours and hours and hours of, of content and shit put out. It's hopefully it'll end up being worth it in the end. Like. Uh, it's not even really about it's not about like getting recognition it's about we want to have people listen and and we want to have people listen we want to have people care interact it's like just knowing that we're helping someone through their fucked up day or they have a family member who's an addict or someone who that they either have mental health issues or they know someone that does it's a hard thing to understand and it's a hard thing to get a grasp of because it's kind of like you have to get your ego in check and you have to be like super certain of who you are to kind of let this person be what they are without, you know, try to help them get better without shaming them or making them feel like they're less than because they have some kind of mental issue. Um, but I'm actually going to talk about uh, another one of the a mental issue that I just recently found out through a uh, a narcissistic inventory uh, test that I took uh, earlier today. Um, so I'll be talking about the results for that on episode 21. So just make sure you guys tune in. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Over, Overcast, and Breaker. Um, Anchor FM, and then we also post the video on YouTube. Um, we're thinking about maybe getting on Twitch, but I don't know. We kind of, I kind of want to get enough followers to make it matter to get we'll, on Twitch. Honestly, we'll work our way up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're only this is episode twenty one's coming up, so we're uh, we're doing okay for a, literally. This is still a brand new podcast. Yeah, we yeah. we haven't even gotten through 
the end of the year in which we started in August. So we're only five, six months in at this point. Brand new podcast and Leo Flowers, you got to blow our minds just by by coming on. Yeah. It's fucking great. Yeah, Leo, fucking amazing, amazing guest. Super fucking funny guy. Brilliant fucking dude. Like, amazing to talk to. Super charismatic. He, He... He's just, he's one of those people that is like, we were nervous to have him come on. Then as soon as he started talking, I was immediately at ease with it. And I could just feel that it was going to be an easy conversation just because he's that type of a guy that's just, he can kind of go with whatever you say. Yeah. And and he's a good dude. I'll probably do better when I meet him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being in person is a lot easier because there's a timing issue on Zoom. Like we wish it didn't have to be through Zoom, but with everything being the way it is, us being in... Arizona, him being in California, you know, it's uh, this was the only way that we could uh, get it done, and uh, at least the audio's the audio's good. Just the video quality took a massive fucking hit, and then the internet. That was the whole point of actually recording this right now was to let you guys know <laughs> the episode cuts off kind of abruptly because uh, I'm in my in the studio, which is technically my garage that I made into a makeshift studio. So I have a Wi-Fi extender inside the house, but it it worked through most of the podcast. It, there was a couple little slips, and then at the end, it just fucking cut off. We didn't get to say goodbye or uh, tell you guys to follow him at Leo Flowers. Um, I think his he has a Twitter as well. If you type in Leo Flowers on Twitter, it'll pop up, but I believe it's uh, Leo Flowers for real or something like that. Um, but make sure you look him up. Um, make sure you give him a like. You go to his YouTube. Just look up Leo Flowers on YouTube. Subscribe and like that. And check out his podcast, uh, Before You Kill Yourself. It's a good, good listen. And, it, and especially if you have any kind of issues with suicide or you know anyone who did, who has suicidal ideation, or if anyone in your family or your friends has ever actually followed through uh, with suicide, which I have. And pff, suicidal ideation, that's just part of being a drug addict, honestly. Um, it, it really, really helps to have somebody as smart as this guy kind of break that shit down for you. Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Check it out. Like, subscribe, follow on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we fucking love you. And thanks for listening. Yep. Peace out, dude. Peace.